We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello and welcome to the Rotowire Fantasy Baseball Podcast. My name is Chris Crawford. Today is December 29th. It's also Monday. I probably should have said Monday first. It doesn't matter. It's the last podcast of the year. I hope everyone is having a great holiday season. I am joined by my good buddy, Ryan Boyer. Today, we're going to be talking about some breakout pitchers. Last week, Drew and I talked about some breakout hitters, but now it's time to talk about those pitchers. But I want to talk about a pitcher who signed first, Ryan, Yuki Matsui, uh, joining the San Diego Padres on a five-year deal. Matsui has been one of the best relievers, and one of is probably understating it, probably the best reliever in the Japanese leagues over the last few years, is coming off a year where he had a 1.57 ERA, 39 saves, 13 walks, two of those intentional, by the way, 72 strikeouts. That's a whip of 0.89, which is a disproven. I guess that's not the right word, but it is a down on what he did last year where he had a 0.774 whip, a 32 saves and a 1.92 ERA with 83 strikeouts and 19 walks. Long story short, Ryan, this guy's been dominant in Japan. He joins a team that's going to be losing their closer. How excited are you for Yuki Matsui in terms of fantasy perspective? Yeah, I mean, I think this is about as good of a landing spot probably for mm-hmm. a, from a fantasy's perspective as we could could hope for. I know he was heavily connected with my Cardinals and made a visit there, but he probably would have set up ahead of Helsley there. Yeah. Um, I mean, you can't argue with the, the numbers that you mentioned, you laid them out beautifully. I might add oh, um, <laughs> that he produced overseas. I mean, it, it's, it's kind of a, he's a five, eight lefty. Yeah. Um, I can't remember how tall Billy Wagner was at 5'10", maybe. It's, uh, he's it's not very about 5'10", but he was definitely not 5'10". It was definitely, you know when the NBA point guard gets the uh, like the 5'8 listing and then you look yeah. at him and you say, oh, that's 5'5"? Five, five. That was Billy Wagner, and I feel like that might be Yuki Matsui, too. Yeah, and he's, it, it's not, it's not the same type of stuff as Billy Wagner. He's got <laughs> like a low-ish, low 90s fastball. It's it's the splitter as it often is with a lot of uh, Japanese pitchers. That's just absolutely filthy. Um, I mean, you never know for sure how it's going to translate over to the majors, obviously. Sure. But I, I think teams are about as good as ever now as kind of diagnosing that and figuring out how it's going to, to translate that they have all the same, spin rates and all that data that they can factor into their decision making. Sure. Um, I mean, the, the contract that they gave him five years, 28 million from an AAV perspective, it, it's a, was a little lower than I was kind of anticipating. Um, but it sure seems to point like point to the guy, him being the guy that's going to get the first crack at the closer job. I mean, Robert Suarez actually got a much bigger contract than that last off season. Mm-hmm. Like five, five for 40. He ended up getting, which in retrospect seems uh, ill-advised. I actually think as long as he's healthy, he could still be pretty darn good. Um, but 
Matsui, I think, will go into spring training as the favorite for the closer job. I don't know if he was given any assurances when he signed with the Padres um, that he would be the closer, but I think he'll enter spring training as the favorite for that job. How he pitches in spring training could certainly factor into that decision-making. They got a new manager there. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm pretty excited from a fantasy perspective. Obviously the Padres are coming off a disappointing season and they lost that, that Juan Soto guy, but they still should be a pretty decent team. No reason to believe they won't be able to produce a good number of save opportunities. Um, and I think depending on how he looks during spring training, Matsui could have the potential to be a guy who is a pretty good riser um, in fantasy drafts if he does look good during Cactus League play. Something that just kind of popped in my head, and maybe it was because I was watching highlights of the 2001 Mariners not too long ago. Kazuhiro Sasaki winning that Rookie of the Year. Doesn't Matsui have to enter the year as like the overwhelming favorite to be the National League Rookie of the Year next year? Unless I'm maybe Jackson Churio, assuming he makes the roster and stuff, is going to be kind of close. Well, Yamamoto, I guess, is technically going to be a rookie, right? Uh, yeah, that's true. I take it all back. I take it all back. That's I. It's so silly that these guys are considered rookies. If I'm being honest, yeah. With you. I mean, now, Yamamoto. Yamamoto at least is a you know just 25, so he's yes. he's a rookie age adjacent. It's a weird thing because it's it's kind of disrespectful a little bit to consider them rookies. It's definitely disrespectful to like rank them on prospect lists, like. It's so silly to even consider them. But then again, the award's named after Jackie Robinson. So I I, I get it from that perspective, you know, that yeah. it's the just change it to like the the newcomer of the year award, I guess, is more what it should be, though. You know what I mean? I, I get it. They're they're rookies uh by technical counts and all of that stuff. But uh yeah, that I think he uh, he would be my second choice though. And and he will get a lot of consideration, I think, because if he is saving games for a team that I think is going to be pretty darn good next year. I think that if you look at the Padres, they were one of the most unlucky teams in baseball last year, even losing Juan Soto. I still think that roster is pretty darn solid. Expect to bounce back, but yeah, that'll be interesting. I'll be uh, paying close attention to see where those rookie of the year odds, because Yamamoto is going to be an overwhelming favorite. And then I would guess Matsui would probably be second on that list. Uh, couple other signings that I wanted to talk about real quick, both for the Blue Jays. Uh, Kevin Kiermeyer resigns. I'm actually kind of surprised by this one. It just sounded like they were going to be going in a different direction. But Kevin Kiermeyer, when he was on the field, was actually pretty good last year. 265, 322, 419. That's a 741 OPS. That is the first time that he has gone to a 740 OPS since 2016. Now, he's had his issue staying on the field hit eight homers, also stole 14 bases. Is Kevin Kiermeyer worth at late-round consideration in redraft leagues, or are you just pretty much strictly saying AL only? Yeah, I don't think so. I, I mean, I, I think the most interesting aspect of this is like what it could potentially mean for what the Blue Jays would not do. Yeah. A.K.A. sign Cody Bellinger. Yes, because I really thought that they were going to be. I mean, they had all of that money earmarked for Otani. Mm -hmm. um, they had it st stowed away on that plane that he apparently was never actually on. <laughs> um, and that didn't mean that they were going to just turn around and give that money to Bellinger necessarily, but they had been sure. connected to Bellinger the whole time. They could still make that signing. It, it makes it a little bit of a, not a little bit, quite of a bit more of an awkward fit. It, mm -hmm. I, guess, I guess it would mean um, they'd have to use him at first base all the time. Vlad would have to do a lot of DHing. I can't imagine that they would entertain the idea of putting Vlad back at third base, which they still have an opening there allegedly. Um, but yeah, Kiermaier, what, as you mentioned, was quite good last year. He's still, even though he's kind of, entering his mid thirties now still grades out as among the elite of the elite in center field. And, you know, he's going to be at the bottom of their lineup. He's a perfectly fine number nine hitter while he, when he's healthy. Mm -hmm. um, so I think on, 
from that perspective, it's a perfectly solid signing, especially on a one-year deal. But it's more interesting to me about what they will not do possibly now as a result of Kiermaier coming back. So I guess if you're signing, um, if you do get Bellinger, it would mean that you would probably have to trade Dalton Varsho. And like, if you trade Dalton Varsho, you're admitting you made one of the worst trades of the last five years. Because unless you're getting something real good in return, because Dalton Varsho was bad in 2023. Gabriel Moreno looks like a star. Like that trade could end up being like, maybe not quite the the uh, Austin Meadows, uh, Tyler Glass now for Chris Archer type of deal, you know. But it looks pretty bad. And I can't imagine they're doing that. I have to think that they are thinking, we can get Dalton Varsho to at least get to a semblance of the level that he was in in 2022. That's a really interesting one. Now, you mentioned third base. They just actually made this official, it looks like. Isaiah Kiner-Falefo is now a member of the Toronto Blue Jays on a $15 million deal over two years. Last year, he had 242, 306, 340, six homers, 14 stolen bases. There was a time that Kiner-Falefa had some fantasy relevance because he had catcher eligibility. He hasn't had catcher eligibility in a very long time. A nice real-life player, like because he can play all over the infield and a strong defensive player. Like He can play some shortstop. He can definitely play third base. Where the hell is Matt Chapman going? Like, what, what, what's going on here? Like, I'm so confused by, I get it. He was pretty darn bad for a large stretch of the year. He got off to such a rip-roaring start. And then, but he's still one of the best defensive players in at any position. He's still a guy who had, possesses big-time power. And I don't think that signing Kiner Falefa necessarily would mean that you can't go get, uh, you can't still go get Matt Chapman. But it's pretty weird. This is all a very odd situation. Obviously, Kiner Falefa is not fantasy relevant. But where the heck does Matt Chapman go, Ryan? Yeah, so once they – the um, that signing became official, I, if I tweeted out, I, I guess that Cody Bellinger is – this was the, once, once the Kiermaier signing became official, I tweeted out that Bellinger – and Chapman are probably going to go back to their 2023 clubs now. Um, remains to be seen if that winds up being the case. Obviously, the Blue Jays have since signed Kiner Falefa. I don't – it's such a weird fit to me. Like, they already have guys who can feel, fill that role as a utility player. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe those other guys can't play shortstop as well as him. But it's it's just a strange signing to me. I mean, we were talking about this time last offseason, would kind of fluff it be non-tendered? And now he goes up and puts up another sub seven hundred sub seven hundred OPS season and he gets a fifteen million dollar contract. I get it. Can play all over the field, can play defense well. Managers are always gonna love that. Um, but it's it's just the, the Blue Jays offseason so far has been very underwhelming, um, especially because it seemed like they were awfully close on Otani. Maybe they weren't actually all that close. We allowed our uh, imaginations to run wild with that with that one report. Yes. Um, but yeah, it, it just makes so much sense for them to bring Matt Chapman back now. I mean, Connor Falefa can still play a lot of second base. David mm-hmm. Schneider showed some flashes, um, hit really well initially before kind of struggling towards the end. I think yeah. he's probably the favorite to start second base. Um, but kind of if it can play there, he can play some shortstop. He even dabbled in center field last year for the Yankees and did well enough in that regard. You know, mm-hmm. Kevin Kiermaier is going to get hurt eventually. Um so there's still going to be avenues for playing time for him. Um, yeah, Matt Chapman, I, I think he's probably going to go back to the to the Blue Jays. You hear the Cubs connected to him. You hear the Giants. The Giants still want to spend some money, we hear, but they might have more. Uh, they might have that money earmarked for pitching. I don't know. 
Um, you hear them connected to Blake Snell. Um, but yeah, Chapman back to the Blue Jays certainly makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I think so as well. By the way, I think this definitely means that Whit Merrifield is going somewhere else. Uh, my buddy BLM points out that maybe they trade Biggio. I think that um, that makes an awful lot of sense as well. Um, boy, it was <laughs> quite the fall for Biggio. There was quite a, there was a time there that he looked like a super fantasy option, but just not yeah. did not quite live up to that hype. I will say the team that makes the most sense to me outside of Toronto would be Seattle if they're willing to spend some money. Like after losing Suarez to, I know that they have the plans of Luis Arias of playing third base, I think right now, but I think Arias makes more sense in a platoon role with Josh Rojas at second base and a guy who can play, you know, a little bit everywhere else. I think Chapman would be a major upgrade. I have my doubts that the Seattle Mariners are interested in spending that kind of money based on, oh, I don't know, everything you give I've them, ever heard. You give them a, like a 54% chance of making that signing? 46% chance of making that okay. signing is actually what I'm giving them, to be honest with you. After that cruel joke, we're going to talk about some uh, pitchers who have a chance to break out. But first, we're going to take a quick commercial break. I'm very mad at you, Ryan. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. All right, so let's talk about those pitchers who have a chance to break out. This was kind of a fun one for me again, Ryan. I got to be honest. When we did the pitchers who broke out in 2023, that was miserable. That was not a heck of a lot of fun to talk about. It just wasn't a great year. On paper, 
I think there's quite a few guys who have a chance to break out this year. Would you agree? Did you have to leave a few guys off your list? Yeah, there. I mean, I he had the, you're kind of the the pick of the litter, and it's I could have named ten more guys for sure. Sure. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I feel like I'm gonna take take kind of the the free square here on the bingo card and taking Grayson Rodriguez as my first pick. Yeah. Sent down after a 7.35 ERA in his first 10 starts, goes down to AAA Norfolk, gets everything squared away, comes back. Final 13 starts of the season, 2.58 ERA, 73 strikeouts, 21 walks, over 76 and two-thirds innings. He averaged 97.9 miles. think we lost Ryan there, but I have to agree with everything he's saying about Grayson Rodriguez. Like, look, this is one of the best pitching prospects in baseball and was one for a very, very long time. You know, he's had his struggles. He gets sent down. Like he says, I think there's everything to like about what he can give you. Like, I love the team fit. I love the fact that Baltimore is going to have one of the best rosters in baseball, maybe the best roster in baseball. No, the National League, obviously, but maybe the best roster in the American League. Um, I think Grayson Rodriguez absolutely has a chance to be a star. If Ryan comes back, we'll give him a chance to uh, kind of defend his opinion. But I want to talk about Mason Miller. Mason Miller, I think, is one of the more underrated pitching. I don't think he qualifies as a prospect anymore, technically, but He's awfully good. I'm going to give you just some numbers that back this up. Expected ERA last year of 3.18. That would be well above average if he qualified. Expected batting average of 185. Fastball velocity was in the 97th percentile, 98.3. K percentage of 27.3. Avoided barrels at an elite rate, 3.7. Hard hit percentage of 34.1. All from a 25-year-old who was making his debut. Now, he deals with the injury. And they kind of coddled him after that. But, like, let's look at some of these stats that he had against some pitches. Four-seam fastball, 219 batting average, expected batting average of 186. Slider, expected batting average of 131 and an actual batting average of 118. Hitters only slugged 147 against his slider. That's really impressive. Cutter, not so great, but it's more of that he just has to feel get more feel for manipulating that pitch. Excellent slider, obviously, like we were talking about. Maybe needs to develop the change a little bit more. Only threw it 30 times compared to 338 times for his four-seam fastball, 145 times for his slider. There is a lot of reason to believe that Mason Miller is going to be a really good pitcher um, going forward. My one concern with Mason Miller is going to be, hey, he's playing for a really bad baseball team. Like a really, really bad baseball team. It is one of the worst rosters in baseball, even adding a couple of guys. like, And I would expect this couple of jumps forward. Long story short, I don't think Mason Miller is helping you in the win category whatsoever. So that is the one thing to keep in mind. Um, it, it, it's just going to be a case of like you have to rely on the strikeouts. But I think the ERA is going to be good. I've seen a lot of metric systems that really like him in terms of that, like ranking as a guy who could have an ERA below three. I think that's a little strong, to be honest with you, for a guy who's going to be in his first full season. But absolutely a lot of reason to believe that he can be successful. Uh, my other breakout is Bryce Miller. So Bryce Miller is a guy who made his debut to the uh, made his debut for the Mariners. Sorry, I was a little thrown off by the fact that Ryan is no longer uh, with us right now, but that's okay. Uh, I thought he had a pretty strong rookie campaign. And a guy who... I thought was going to make, you guys all know that I'm the big Mariner fan. I thought was going to make his debut in 2023, um, but I didn't necessarily think that it was going to be quite as early as I did. Obviously, the Robbie Ray injury plays a major factor in that. This guy generates spin more than any like starting young starting pitcher that you can find. So I think Bryce Miller's fastball alone is going to give him a chance at fantasy success. I guess my question mark with him is, does he have a pitch to get left-handers out? Now, here's the good news. He's been working at driveline on developing a splitter. I think that's going to be a major thing for him, if that can be a good pitch. Because we saw with Logan Gilbert, when he developed that splitter, how big of a difference that could make. 
Um, Ryan, we're joining. We're, we're glad to have you back. It's been so long since I've seen your smiling face. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't know how much of you got before I uh, got cut off there, but. Uh, you said Grayson Rodriguez is good, and we definitely agreed with you. And I said that Mason Miller is good. Now, there's some reports that he's going to be in the bullpen. If he is in the bullpen, I think he has a chance to be a dominant, dominant reliever. I still think he's got a really good chance of banking starts for the A's. I think that you look at that roster and you look at the fact that they are just 10 pounds of you-know-what in a five-pound bag. I want to see what – I know what I can get from Mason Miller as a reliever. I know what I can get. I still believe that the the A's believe that he's a starter, and I'm calling BS on it a little bit. I think he's going to be a starting pitcher, and I think he's going to be a really, really good one. Bryce Miller, I think, is going to have to maybe battle a little bit to make the opening day rotation. He'll have a chance. He'll have to go up against Brian Wu, who I like a lot, too, and was considering for this spot. But I just think Bryce Miller's pure stuff, assuming he can get lefties out, is the better option. Yeah, I, I think I would actually maybe push back a little bit on the Mason Miller reliever thing. I actually think it might make some sense with their, to put him in the bullpen, at oh, least it does. There's for no now. question it does make some sense, yeah. Yeah, I mean, they got the partially torn UCL, and he's he just he's thrown so few innings as a, in pro ball. Um, it could actually give him the best shot – at fantasy value in 2023, I think. Sure. I don't think they're going to, by any means, give up on him as a starter long term. But I, I do think putting him in the bullpen, at least for the start of 2023, does make some sense. With Bryce Miller, you hit on it. I think it's all about what can he do to combat left-handed hitters. Yeah. Um, Stackhouse had him throwing six different pitches last season, but – for all intents and purposes, he was really a two pitch pitcher. Yes, uh, fastball slider made up like eighty percent of his of his offerings, and didn't really throw a changeup at all. Didn't really didn't throw a cutter at all. So he just really doesn't have that weapon to combat left handed batters. Right, but you know the fastball. For a fastball that's not really overpowering, I wouldn't say it, it still misses. Anyway, yeah, yeah, it still still misses a lot of bats. It, it just has those those qualities. Um, he's got great control. So one of the other things that he has in common with, uh, you know, some of the other Mariners pitchers, Mister George Kirby. There's not not elite control like George Kirby, but he's he's sure. got good control. Um, but yeah, Bryce Miller. Not a finished product, but I do like his upside quite a bit as well. Cole Reagans is another guy. I feel like he's kind of the uh, the pitcher version of Tristan Casas that we have to mention on every single podcast you and I <laughs> do together. Yeah, but yeah, came over in the Aralis Chapman trade. Two point six four ERA, one point zero seven WHIP, eighty nine strikeouts, twenty seven walks, over seventy one in two-thirds innings in his 12 starts with Kansas City. Average 96.8 miles per hour with his fastball, 92.2 miles per hour with his cutter. That was a start as a starter, and both of those numbers were less than that as a reliever with the Rangers, so he really found that extra gear. Uh, mentioned that he kind of worked on his mechanics and I think like hip exercises kind of loosened up his hips to kind of find that extra velo. Also started throwing a slider with the Royals, which he didn't throw with the Rangers, and that produced a 202 Woba. Fantastic. NFBC ADP with Cole Reagan's currently six at 113. I, I'm actually surprised it's not a little better than that. Um, I get the, the drawbacks he's going to be on the Royals still, although the Royals, I mean – they're kind of fun. Yeah, one of the teams <laughs> in the AL Central that's actually trying a little bit. Yeah. Um, so maybe Cole Reagans can get just enough run support to get to, I don't know, 14 wins or something like that. Super intriguing guy. Will will he maintain that velocity carryover? If he does, I mean, I think he's got the potential to be a just a top-shelf fantasy starter. Yeah, I was actually um... – 
you know, not to criticize the greatness that is Ryan Boyer. I was kind of surprised you listed him here just because I kind of feel like you already did break out. Already you know what out, I mean? Yeah. Um, but yeah. I think there is another step that he can take, mainly because, hey, instead of making a half a season of starts, I think he's going to make a full season of starts, and that's going to be massive for value. I think he's a top 20 starting pitcher. I really am a big believer in that stuff. I guess my one concern is, is that I'm always a little skeptical of guys who have big jumps in command, like because Cole Reagan really struggled to throw strikes for a long time. So yeah. I, I think there could be some regression there. As long as it's not hard regression there, though, he's a fantasy one. Like I re- Well, he's a top, top of the rotation arm is what I should say there. He's not a fantasy one quite yet. He could get there, though. That stuff is filthy, and there were some absolutely dominant starts. I also love the fact that <laughs> Kansas City's going to be better. I really am impressed with what Kansas City did this year. None of those contracts look foolish. None of these are like, what the heck are you doing type of things. And yes, there are such things as that in baseball. Like, look at the Chris Bryant contract. I mean, that is a what the heck are you doing type of thing. We want players to get all the dang money that they can. But sometimes it doesn't make a whole heck of a lot of sense. And I don't think any of these signings that the Royals make don't make sense. They've improved their rotation. They just look like a much more complete baseball team. And I think that helps Cole Reagans get a chance for some W's. Um, do, did you have something? Do, do the Rangers – sorry to interrupt. Do the Rangers, do the Rangers take back that trade? It's kind of a weird question to ask Ooh. because obviously they went, wound up winning the World Series. Yeah. But, you know – Chapman was kind of hit or miss for them. Yeah. Obviously, the long term value, they would take that back that trade in a second, but right. it changes the roles and maybe it doesn't work out quite the same. It's a it's an impossible question to answer, I think. Yeah. Because you never yeah. know how would how things would have shook out if they wouldn't have yeah. made that trade. Would they have made a different trade for a bullpen help? I'm sure they would have. Yeah. Um anyway, just popped into my head please please what's interesting about that it's not the first time that you wonder about a team who won a world series made a trade for all chapman if you wonder if they would redo it uh, you know the cubs looking back on that one which one do you think they regret more the uh jose quintana or the aroldis chapman one which one do you think is more of a uh, no comment no comment that's fair that's totally fair (laughs) So I'll comment instead on Gavin Williams, a member of that AL Central. One of the best pitching prospects in baseball coming into the year. And had a pretty strong season. He ends up getting shut down very late in the year. But one of the things I really like about Gavin Williams is he gets on top of you. He generates 7.5 feet of extension. That is in the 99th percentile with pretty darn good stuff. Now, some of these metrics aren't great. Expected ERA of 4.21 is in the 47th percentile. Uh, Walk percentage was surprisingly bad. Walked 10.7% of the hitters he faced. That's in the bottom 20th percentile. But he really avoided barrels. He has excellent stuff. I think the big thing here for Gavin Williams is just going to be another year. Another year of getting better. This was one of the better prospects coming out of East Carolina. And I trust the Guardians with pitchers probably more than anyone right now. They are so good at what they're doing. You look at what Tanner Bybee did. Now you've got Gavin Williams. There's some other arms on the way. Hopefully, um, Daniel Espino can get healthy because I would just love to see that stuff at the highest level. I think Gavin Williams probably starts the year as one of their top three or so starters. I think that there's a very good chance that he is going to get a significant bump in innings. Struck out 82 guys in 81 innings. I would bet your bottom dollar that the strikeout rate is significantly higher next year. I saw massive improvements from Gavin Williams as the year went on. You know, I don't know how good the Guardians are going to be. Everything in the AL Central is just an absolute crapshoot emphasis on the first part of that word. It's just, I have no idea what's going to happen. And, you know, with the... Uh, with the schedule working that they don't get to play these teams 90 times or whatever the heck it was anymore, you know, that at least affects it a little bit. I still think Gavin Williams is going to have a lot of starts against bad baseball teams and pitch really well against them. And I think the stuff's good enough that when he faces good teams, he can more than hold his own too. I think he has a chance to be like a top 40 starting pitcher this year. 
Yep, I'm right there with you. And, you know, you mentioned maybe he's a one of the Guardians' top three starters. It, is it possible he could be their opening day starter? I mean, are they, are they going to wind up trading Shane Bieber still? I, yeah. I feel like they want to, sure. although the Guardians have made – like they claimed – no, they didn't claim off waivers. They traded for Scott Barlow, which was like a declining reliever on a – who's making a decent amount of money. It was just kind of a weird trade for the Guardians. Yeah, they must um, be something. Yeah, and then they're going to turn around and you hear Emmanuel Classe, they could listen on him. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, Gavin Williams, The you know, you mentioned the extension, and that's in addition to already being a huge dude, so that makes the extension play up even more. Yeah. The stuff is fantastic. He missed bats with basically all of his pitches. I'm with you. I think the strikeout rate could spike for him next season. I also think we could see more strikeouts next season from Bobby Miller. As good as he was in his 22 starts for the Dodgers, 3.76 ERA, 1.12 whip, less than a strikeout per inning, 119 strikeouts, 32 walks, and 124 and a third innings. Average 99.1 miles per hour with his four-seamer. That was tops among all pitchers who threw at least 100 innings. And, oh, by the way, he throws a sinker, which that also would have led all four-seamers with wow. at 98.8 miles per hour. And he's not just all fastballs either. All secondary pitches of Bobby Miller had a 2.8282 expected WOBA or lower. If you go by the Stuff Plus metric, he was sixth. In terms of stuff plus in all of baseball, third and pitching plus. I think we're definitely going to see more strikeouts. I think we could see more walks as well. Um, he didn't have a great walk rate in the minors. It was pretty darn good with the Dodgers. I think we could see some regression there. Ryan Pepio, another guy I, I considered up for this uh, exercise, by the way, also had a massive jump in his control. So I'm interested yeah. to see how that plays with the Rays in 2024. Mm-hmm. But I I do think more walks could come with those more strikeouts for Bobby Miller, but I think it's going to be a, overall a nice step forward for him. Last 10 starts of the season, he went six-plus innings pitched eight times during those 10 starts, seven innings three times during those starts. NFBC ADP is it's 85 right now. Had a min pick of 61, a max pick of 126. I mean, I think if you had asked me, you know, a month ago, I would have said, you know, the Dodgers are really going to need to lean on him with this, given the state of the rotation. Now they have Yamamoto and Tyler Glass now, so maybe that's less sure. of an issue, but that might not be the the worst thing. Um, he threw enough innings in 2023 that their workload should not be much of a concern with Bobby Miller in 2024 is the leap in control, the leap in command for real. Um, I think it's fair to question whether that is the case, but I do think he's going to miss more bats to more than make up for it. Yeah, I totally agree. I, I really like Bobby Miller for 2023. I mean, I think it's nice that there's less pressure on him, to be honest with you. Like, and I do think wonder if people are going to have that last start he made in their mind before drafting him. You know, that playoff start was just an absolute disaster. I mean, the Dodgers were yeah. a disaster in the postseason. There's no way to sugarcoat it. But I really like his stuff. It's interesting. At this point last year, the big debate was is it Bobby Miller or is it Gavin Stone? Like, and a lot of people were on the side of Gavin Stone. I still think Gavin Stone, by the way, has a chance to be a really good starting pitcher. I think you got to avoid him at least to start the year because he was just so awful in the majors. But look, it prospect development is not linear. There is a lot of guys who have bad years. And in 2022, Gavin Stone looked like he was on his way to being the best pitching prospect in baseball. Still a guy I think to keep an eye on. There's just so much interesting young talent on the Dodgers. It's kind of unfair. And then they go and sign that one guy. Um, There's a lot of starting pitching prospects who haven't made their debut yet that I think have a chance to be pretty darn good. Um, 
Livy Dunn's boyfriend, a.k.a. Paul Skeens, I think is a guy that you have to keep an eye on, even as a guy who was drafted last year. Some of the best stuff that you will see. Uh, Jacob Mizorowski, that guy's stuff is filthy. I have real doubts about that lasting over a full. Just watch the guy's motion. You do not have to have any kind of scouting background to say, uh-oh. Um, that is a lot of effort, but as good of stuff as any pitching prospect in baseball. But the one I'm picking as a breakout guy, and I'm not – even a hundred percent sure he's even going to make starts for the Cubs next year. I really like Kate Horton. I think Kate Horton might be my favorite pitching prospect in baseball last year. He's a 22 year old who was the seventh pick out of Oklahoma as a uh, draft eligible sophomore. Wasn't even really a guy who was on radars until he just absolutely dominated in the college world series and some starts prior to that coming into it. Excellent. Last year, a 2.65 ERA, 88 innings, 117 strikeouts, a whip of one, uh, just the 27 walks, allows seven homers, a 191 average against, ends up reaching double A. This is what's the most intriguing thing to me. So in South Bend, which is, you know, not horrible pitching confines, but, you know, not the best, a 3.83 ERA over 11 starts. Once he got to Tennessee, a 1.33 ERA, 31 strikeouts, 11 walks, allows just 18 hits in those starts. A guy with probably the best slider of any pitching prospect in baseball right now. And I just look at that uh, Cubs rotation and, you know, there are names ahead of it without question. But there's not a lot of beacons of health in that rotation either, Ryan. And I think if Cade Horton is ready to make that debut, I wouldn't be surprised if they're aggressive with him. Like, I think the spring training is going to be pretty big for him. But if I was drafting any pitching prospect in baseball who hasn't made his debut yet for my redraft league and I could stash, Cade Horton would be that guy. Yep, I like that call. Um, you know, re, you mentioned made it all to to double A in his first first full professional season. Mm-hmm. I think we also keep in mind like the Cubs have started to it used to be their Achilles heel for so long developing pitching. They've actually become pretty good at it in recent yeah. years. Yeah. You know, you look at J- Justin Steele's breakout. Ben Brown has, has become a nice, nice pitching prospect. Um, I, th- I think they, you need to keep that in mind when you look at his, his outlook and you look at the, the back end of the Cubs rotation. I mean, that's maybe they add another starter, but that's a very, it's not a tough nut to crack. Um, I think he could definitely, is he going to start back at double A? Is he going to get bumped to triple A to start the year? I think in either case, there's a decent chance he's going to make a lot of starts for the Cubs before all said and done 2024. Um, my buddy Dylan real quick asked the questions, thoughts on Ricky Tiedemann. I was a lot higher on him uh, coming into last year. Uh, obviously some injury concerns. Stuff's still really good, and I do think that there's enough of an opening in that Toronto rotation that he could be successful. Definitely a guy I want to see how he looks in spring training, though, because he's going to be fighting an uphill battle in order to make that rotation to begin the year. He has a chance, though, to make it really interesting on them. Like, this was a guy who was, I think, drafted quite a bit in, like, leagues because the just the assumption was that Ricky Tiedemann was on his way ready to make that debut i'd probably rank him like second or third i will be really surprised if livy dunn's boyfriend aka paul Skeens, does not make his debut in 2024 like that guy's stuff is just stupid like i saw something interesting by the way ryan they were two guys that i respect very much uh jim callis and jonathan may oh yeah i know you're asked doing to rank where uh yamamoto would rank and they both had him as a top 15 prospect. And I want to make it abundantly clear that I think those guys are as good as it gets. I love their work. That is nuttier than squirrel turds to rank them (laughs) below that many prospects. It makes zero sense whatsoever. Um, Having said that, it also tells you two things. One, it tells you why we will never get rid of the MLB draft because if Yamamoto's getting that contract and people like Paul Skeens more than him, what the heck is Paul Skeens getting on the open market? Yeah. And number two, it does tell you how good that guy's stuff is. Like 80 fastball, 70 slider, already made his uh, some appearances in double A. 
it would not surprise me at all if he's making starts for the Pirates next year. I think that's the reason why you draft him with the number one pick over a talent like Dylan Cruz. Certainly a guy to keep an eye on, but I also thought that that was just insane. <laughs> just, I, 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 yeah, I don't that doesn't come off as disrespectful to two people that I absolutely borderline idolize. Like they do a terrific work, but it's also nuts. Yeah. I, I, when I, when I saw that, that tweet go out, like I, I just, I did a double take. Like, yeah, I, I think everybody, I had heard some of that discussion about like, where would he rank mm-hmm. as far as prospects go? And everybody was like, Oh, he's the unquestioned number one overall prospect. Like he, there's no, there's no debating it. And then not only do you put him outside the top 10, but he's not even the number one pitching prospect. It, it, it's, it's rather silly. It's very um, silly. But yeah, that, as far as Tiedemann goes, I'm, I'm with you. I, I think huge, I almost said huge arm talent. I'm like, it's like I'm an NFL draft scout, <laughs> uh, but yeah, he's as far as stuff goes that he, he can compete with basically anyone, but I, I just think he needs to pitch next year. I think he needs yeah. to get maybe close to another year of seasoning under his belt after the injuries he dealt with. Um, but, you know, never say never. I mean, if he gets off to a fantastic start and shows no lingering injury concerns, he could get could get bumped up to the majors uh, at some point during 2024. One guy who had some ups and downs. Last guy on my list, I'm going to go back to Brandon Fought, another guy we talk about a ton on this podcast. (laughs) After getting called up 9.82 ERA in his first six starts, then much better after returning to the majors. 4.22 ERA, so-so. 1.24 whip, 73-16 to strikeout to walk rate. In 70 and a third innings was even better in the postseason. 3.27 ERA, 1.09 whip, 26 to 5 strikeout to walk rate over 22 innings in those five playoff starts. Brandon Fought is an extreme fly ball pitcher who I suspect is always going to have home run issues. Yeah. But that also got better as we went along. Those first six starts, he had he gave up 3.2 home runs per nine, which is just an obscene number that went down to 1.7 during the second half. And in the postseason, 1.2 home runs per nine through more sinkers as opposed to the four seamer during that stretch, maybe leaning a little more on the sinker will allow him to keep the ball in the ballpark a little better. He also credits shifting from the first bit, the third base to the first side, first base side of the rubber. It's kind of strange how you hear about these just seemingly small tweaks can make just a huge difference. But, you know, it makes sense. Like, it, you know, you shift from one side of the rubber to the other, depending on how your stuff moves, like your the movement on your pitches, that ball is going to appear in the zone more to the hitter for longer, but it's also going to disappear out of the zone still. Right. You get more hitters to chase rather than, them taking those balls for balls. Mm-hmm. So Brent Strom, a good guy to uh, to kind of mold Brandon Fought. The the numbers from the minors, as far as the strikeout rate goes, just speak for themselves. Of the guys that I've mentioned, he's by far the uh, most gettable as far as fantasy goes in, in drafts. Two, 213 so far in early NFBC drafts. Interesting. Pick of one fifty-two, max pick of three hundred three. I, I'm surprised, at, especially after what we saw from him in the postseason, that that number isn't higher. I suspect it might eventually get there during the spring. I, th- I think Brandon Fought will see his draft stock go back up again. Um, but if that ADP even remotely holds, he's a guy I'm going to be all over in drafts. You know, it's interesting because I thought. Fought was overrated coming into 2023. We talked about it quite a bit that, you know, I thought his strikeout totals were based based more on deception than stuff. And we have seen a lot of those type of guys struggle, especially early. But then it turned too much. Like he just couldn't, his fly ball luck was pretty bad, like pretty darn bad. And 
you know, it's not the best park for a guy who is fly ball heavy as he does, but he has good stuff. And you saw how much the Diamondbacks trusted him in the postseason. Now, also, trust has something to do with who the heck else is going to pitch for us, um, which is, I think, why that Eduardo Rodriguez signing is just so massive for them to have him as the third. And Brandon Font's probably your fourth starter for a team that should be pretty darn good. I love the Eugenio Suarez pickup. Don't think they're done either. I wouldn't be surprised at all if they add another bat to that lineup. Like, again, if you're expecting those strikeout totals that we saw in the minor leagues, you're probably going to come away disappointed. He doesn't have to give you that in order to be fantasy relevant. He doesn't even have to be close to that. He can be a guy who can strike out right around a batter and inning, get plenty of win chances for one of the best young rosters in baseball. I like that call for Brighton Fott. And that ADP is really interesting to me because I think that's, Far too low for a player of his talent and also his situation. Uh, that's going to do us for us in the Rotowire Fantasy Baseball Podcast. Real quick, I just wanted to point out um, our buddy Drew Silva is moving on to the real world. He's going to be doing um, something other than fantasy sports. Uh, Ryan and I have worked with Drew for well, Drew, you've worked for or Ryan, you've worked with Drew for a very long time. I've worked with him for the last seven years. I owe him a heck of a lot. He helped me as a writer probably more than any person because he was hard as heck on me when I was doing that stuff. He's a terrible human being, but he's also someone I love very, very much. And uh, yeah, thank you for everything, Drew. If you're listening to this, and I know you are, I just really appreciate everything you've done for us. Yeah, zero percent chance he's listening, but we're going to go ahead and shout out, <laughs> shout out Drew anyway. No, yeah. we, we both love Drew. Um, it was time for him to to move on to to other things. So you're going to be stuck with me and Chris each week in this in this space. Um, yeah. Sorry, but yeah, Drew, I worked worked with at our last stop since 2010, um, and again here at at RotoWire. So awesome, dude. Um, have hung out with him outside of uh, the fantasy space, the real world space as well. Yeah, can vouch for his uh, him being an awesome guy and yeah. wish him all the best. Um, but yeah, it's gonna be me and your Chris and I are gonna be driving this plane for now, and you're gonna be stuck with us. We hope for very few pit stops. Thank you guys so much for listening, and also this will be our last of the year. A very happy new year to everyone. 2024 is an election year that's also a leap year as it always is what couldn't possibly go wrong talk to everybody soon thanks for listening